Spring of Life Fellowship and its pastor, Joaquin G. Molina, invites you to listen to a message of restoration and strengthening for your life. Be a part of the vision, changing the world. Father, thank you for this day in the house of God. Thank you, Lord, for the gathering of your people, those who love your name and are waiting for your return, that love your word, Father God, and have experienced salvation in Christ, have been set apart from darkness to light. Father, you have given us the gift of faith. We believe. We believe. You have placed faith in our hearts, and we incline ourselves towards you as the answer. This is the victory that overcomes the world. Even so, our faith, O oh God, gives us the ability to be champions upon the earth. We pray that your word would be a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our path. We pray that your word would be a double-edged sword. We pray that your word would be a good seed planted in good hearts that will return a great harvest that glorifies your name. We pray that your word would not return void, O oh God, that it would be the bread of life that nourishes us. We pray that the foundation of this word this morning, Father God, would establish us strong in our faith in Jesus Christ, Lord, that we would be unmoved, steadfast, ever increasing in serving our God until he comes, Lord, until we see him face to face. So now prosper your word in the hearts of your people, God, and let nothing hinder, O oh God. Let nothing distract. Let nothing, Father God, allow this seed to fall on the wayside. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen, and amen. In the last couple of weeks, we shared a message on bitterness and how bitterness comes to destroy your faith. And the devil wants to put bitterness in your life at some level because he will be able to distort your vision. And so the opposite is true. And we might have, maybe we, we laid out as a foundation to contrast today's word, which is in, in regards to eliminating bitterness or its attempt to find its way in our life. It's the goodness of the Lord that allows us to have a repellent against bitterness. And so the goodness of God. Who would have thought that we would ever hear a message that God is good? God is good. In, in his thorough essence of, of how to explain him, we're going to be able to constantly refer to the goodness of God. When, when you hear the, the Hebrew word is, is pronounced tov or tov, um, it's, it's that which is excellent, that which is uh, the expression of wealth, prosperity, that which is fine, that which makes you precious and glad. The best expression of all things is when we say uh, good, tov. God is the expression of goodness. And so the devil's default mode on being able to assault man in this narrative is that God is not good. See, this is, this is the contrast of his message constantly. And it was his message in the beginning to walk up in Genesis chapter 3, verse 1, where he comes, the Bible says, in the serpent, as a very, you know, uh, chapters 1 and 2 is all creation, but in the first account of man upon the earth, the serpent was more cunning. He was craftier than any beast in the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, and here comes the seed, has God indeed said? Is this really God's plan? It's not much of a plan. This, this cannot equate to the narrative that God is good. So the questioning of the nature of God happens at the very instant 
of, of the devil's attempt to subvert and distort man's destiny and his direction. And so for us that have been upon the earth, 49 years for me, uh, 50 next month, uh, I was telling my wife, I was trying to convince my wife if we could have a fifth child um, at age 50. I would call him 50 cent. Um, no, I'm just kidding. Um, you know, at, when you live 50 years, 49 years, somehow or another, the devil has tried to sell you on the narrative, maybe God hasn't been so good. And so you, you could come up with, with all the explanations, and surely if you talk to somebody who is not a Christian, um, Christ, Christopher Hitchens, an atheist, wrote a book. Uh, there, was a, there, was a, there was a child poem uh, this, this would be the child poem. God is great. God is good. Let us thank him for our food. Um, that, that was a, like the first prayer. God is great. God is good. The, the second element. And he's trying to destroy this premise saying that little prayer you learned as a child, um, God is not great. God is not good. Let's not thank him. Uh, so he writes a book called God is not great. And he's trying to destroy the greatness, the goodness, and the the amazing provisions of God. Uh, Christopher Hitchens um, had a narrative according to the devil. That, that Did God really say that you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? This doesn't sound like a good God. So that's the devil's uh, defeating man's mode. That's his default mode, his narrative. Somehow he's diminished He's subtracted, he's taken away from the very foundation of God. And so you tell me if in, that's chapter 3, and it, he, the devil is attacking the onslaught of God's goodness. Um, he's saying that the expression of God is everything not good. But here in Genesis chapter 1, in verse 3, uh, when God shows up on the scene, he says, let there be light. And there was light, and verse 4 says this expression of light was that God saw the light, and it was good. So everything that God is doing comes with the, with the pronouncement of his goodness. And God does this, and he saw it was good. And God did this, and he saw it was good. And God did this. And, and throughout the order of creation, uh, that was verses 3 and 4. Let's go to verse 9. God said, let there be waters under the heaven, and let them gather together in one place. And let there be dry land. And it was so. This is verse 9. He continues with the order of creation. Verse 10 says, And when God looked into these matters and called the dry land earth and the gathering of the waters, the seas, God saw that it was good. So another pronouncement on a stamp of approval that what God does is good. It's his very nature. Verse 12 says, God brought out of the earth, he brought forth grass. And these herbs yielded seed according to their kind. And the trees yielded fruit. And their seed was in the fruit according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. So after every order of creation, it was good. After order of creation, it was good. After order of the production of fruitfulness, it was good. Uh, verse um, 17, God set the firmaments of the heavens to give light on the earth. And to rule over the day and overnight, and to divide the light from darkness. 
And God saw that when he had established the order of the day, it says, and he saw, and it was good, the expression of his nature. So, so how come when God shows up and everything he's doing is good and good and good, and somewhere along the line, something torts and, and distorts our existence to make things not good? And so verse 21, it continues on to say, And God created the great sea creatures, and every living thing that God moves, which is in the water, abounding according to their kind, and every winged bird according to its kind. And God looked at it and observed the expression and description. He saw it was good. Verse 25, And God made the beast of the earth according to its kind, cattle according to its kind, everything that creeps on the earth according to its kind. And the Bible says in verse 25, And God saw and he confirmed that what he was doing was an expression of his good. And if you miss the, the word good, you can go to verse 31 and you'll see the, the broad expression that God saw everything he had made. And indeed, it was exceeding in the measure of good. It was very good. It was good. He's a, he, that's his expression. That's his, the, the end story of when you talk about God and his existence and his participation in all things, what you describe as you see his love, his mercy, his grace, you see God is good. You see in every element of his expression, there's goodness. And something cracked when we're not seeing this goodness. The devil has put a filter in our life and he's come to corrupt our vision. 1 Timothy 4.4 4 says, For every creation of God is good, and no food is to be rejected. It is to receive with thanksgiving. So even in the New Testament, Paul is still purporting and proclaiming. As soon as we get our words up there, 1 Timothy 4.4, 4, Paul writes the words, Everything God has created is good. Everything that is an expression of who is is good. And so our onslaught, and, and I, we have a tendency to have a dent on this thing, and we start bending out of form. And I'll listen to some people, and, and all they do is describe how horrible and how crazy and how distant from goodness. And, and at the end of the conversation, it's usually about somebody else, usually about their spouse or their mother-in-law or something like that. And, and I'll say, hey, mister, why don't you redeem this thing and bring some goodness into it? Amen. Say one good thing about this person, please. Yes. Tell me some element of the expression of the mercy of God that we can see in this uh, entire scenario. In fact, in Genesis 2.18, it's God himself who looks at man and says, this is not good. <laughs> oh, Lord. He saw, the Lord says, it's not good for man to be alone. There is something missing, and so he brings a wife on, and now he says, okay, now things are good. Things are good when two become one. The description of God in his entirety. If you were to ask God today, hey, God, could I see you this afternoon and just show me a glimpse of who you are? We see that this happened uh, in the life of Moses. He says, Lord, I, I, I'm doubting your plans for my life, and I, I'm going to question a little bit about who this is who's telling me that he has a plan. Uh, the plans that God had for Moses, he says, I'm going to show you a good land that flows with good milk and good honey and good purposes and good provision and great promises. And so he says in Exodus 33:18, Lord, I just need to see a little glimpse of who is extending this promise to my life. I want to see a little bit. Show me a reflection. I, I want to 
I, I want to I see a peephole of who wants to knock, who's knocking on my door and wants to come into my life. And so he says, show me a little bit of who you are. And this is what God explains to him in verse 19. The, uh, if you want to see who I am, I'm going to let all my goodness pass before you. I'm going to let you to see what you're not seeing. Because I really believe that when people start seeing something other than God's goodness, their life becomes super bitter and super twisted. They don't see the outcome from, from the beginning. And so God's nature and who he is in his entirety, if he were to march before us right now, he says, I will make all my goodness parade right in front of you. And as I'm parading, you'll be able to proclaim the name of the Lord, that he's gracious and that he's compassionate. And, and this is where, where I say every day, Yesterday, you know, this, this message is born out of yesterday. I said, Lord, look how good you are. Look who, how good you are to everyone. Look how good you are. In your vast provisions of everything you've done for us, you've only been good continually. So how do you come up with a narrative that has God indeed said, whatever the case may be, that the devil is trying to make Eve, concentrate. And so the psalmist comes to this conclusion. You'll see it all over the Psalms. In Psalm 16, verse 2, he says, uh, To my soul, this is only one narrative I have. You, Lord, are everything that I have that is good. And apart from you, I'll never see goodness in my life. But without God, you, you cannot explain things in that realm. God is good and nothing outside of God is good. That we make him the center of our lives in that expression. And that's why some people for a season and even for a long term, you know, time frame, they keep God out of their life saying, if I keep God out of my life, then, then I'm going to see good. And guess what? Keep God out of your life, you'll never see good. You'll never see the purpose of our existence upon the earth. That's why it makes it for so miserable that the people would not come into the house of the Lord to contemplate the goodness of God. That's what we do when we worship. Our, our furthering our faith is not coming to spend time with pastor, although he's great company. <laughs> but we come in here to, to fathom the goodness of God. And to rightly focus, Lord, I, I don't want anything to distort my sentiments outside of your goodness for my life. You're good. You're good. You're good all the time. I can see the vastness of the expression that, that apart from you, I will never be able to pursue the goodness you have for me. And so there in that same psalm in verse 4, he says, those who choose another pursuit will only be multiplied by sorrow. Those, he says, their sorrows shall be multiplied who hasten after another focus. Where, where is it that you're going to find goodness outside of God? And how could the devil put you on a priority pursuit to that which is not God? And all it's going to do is multiply your sorrow because there's no return there. They do all sorts of things to, to appease all sorts of other devotions. 
They refuse to come to the house of God. And so that's the conclusion that, that, that the psalmist reaches. He says their gods are twisted. Their gods are, are not legitimate. But Lord, as, as I pursue you as my priority, verse 5, I find that the inheritance that I have in your goodness, I'm satisfied with the portion of my inheritance, with the, the provisions you've given me. I'm not going to allow the devil to question the vast, um, listen, uh, a lot of people want to look over to their neighbor's life and say, well, why don't I have what they have? Or why don't, listen, what God has given you and allotted to you is the best of the expression of his goodness towards you. What are you looking next to, to someone for? Why are you comparing? Why are you competing? Start, start opening up your life for God's goodness upon your life and it's sufficient. Don't be looking next door. I want to maintain. He, he, he says these words here, the lines you've drawn for me, verse 6, where you have pointed out that, that, that whatever it is, whatever the slot in that, that line that he's drawn, the lines you've drawn for me are places that are good. I have a good inheritance from the Lord. The Lord has, his hand is not short. Some people come to my house and say, hey, pastor, why don't you have a bigger house? It's because this is the house God has given me. And I'm having a great time. He's, his provisions for me are awesome. Why are you questioning his goodness in my life? You crazy? You're going to pick a fight with me? I'm not going to allow the devil come in my life and, and say what's missing. I have too much to rejoice on the goodness of his provision. Devil, you're a liar. You're not going to mess with my devotion. And my worship to my good God. Who am I that his goodness might have reached my life and, and, and prospered me? Yeah, but you don't have, but I don't need. I'm satisfied with his goodness. I was saying this in, in our conference the other day that somebody called me a month ago and says, Listen, if you call this number, they'll send you $200,000. I said, I don't need to call that number. God is taking care of me. Why do you make me chase what, what is a promise outside of God? Are you insane? You're telling me that God has forgotten it? No way. God knows my address. Absolutely. So if our foundation is not correct, you begin to, to desire what is not your inheritance, what are not the lines that have fallen in good places, and so the psalmist gets to the place where he says, I have a great inheritance, man. Uh, I'm living a dream. Some people, if you, if you had what, listen, I don't want the devil to open my eyes outside of God's goodness. Because that's his trick. Has God really said you can't? Yeah, God has said you can. He has closed me in with parameters which I'm, I'm enjoying. Amen. I don't have to look at another place. Uh, the, the, the men that are looking with their eyes on another woman are insane. They must be on some devil-possessed voodoo drug. And God has given you provision, and, and you're not satisfied with his goodness. And, and so you're drinking from the devil's Kool-Aid. You're, you're insane. His, his provision is vast. It's significant. And so even the single people could say the same thing. My God is good. He is not limited to do all things in his good pleasure. 
towards my life, and I'm satisfied, and I'm just amazed that he lets me breathe another breath. So this is a, a great expression to defeat the enemy. And so James chapter 1, verse 17, Paul, uh, James comes to the expression as he writes, everything good is coming from the hand of God towards my life. Every good gifting of God, every perfect gift is from him who's good. I, I don't need to find provision outside. That's why the Bible says if you pursue the kingdom of God and his righteousness first, everything will be added. Everything will be added uh, 23 years ago, we got married and moved into a, a small little side efficiency, and that was the glory of God. And then yesterday, we went to go visit Mark and Andrea and Richard and Chaveline, and they're living in like a five-star resort, and they're newlyweds, and I'm like, what? <laughs> My goodness. If this is your beginning, if this is the beginning of God's goodness, what shall the end of these matters be? I started in a, a luxurious $500 a month efficiency. But guess what? God has, God has blown just the expression of his goodness all over us. And so these young couples that are starting out, they don't need to worry. They don't need to worry about what's tomorrow. You know why? Because it's not about their school. It's not their academics. It's not their finances. It's not their investments. It's the goodness of God. The expressions of everything good. Everything aligned up with his. So the psalmist will come in in Psalm 73. He says, this is how he starts out. He says, God is good. This is how he starts out the verse, it's Psalm 73, verse 1. Truly, God is good to Israel, to those who, who align their hearts up with reality. They're going to see it's just a vast expanse of the expressions of a God that causes it to pour out in every direction his goodness. And so why does he write this as the first? Because he says in verse 2, my, my, I almost slipped. I, I almost stumbled. I almost fell in the devil's traps. When I saw outside of God's goodness, I started seeing other people, verse 3, how the wicked prospered. And I started setting up my heart against, hey, God, if I'm your servant, then why is this happening to my life? If I'm the one that believes, why come the unbelievers are going well? And so all these things are, until he gets to verse 17, where he says, until I Enter the sanctuary of the Lord. I started getting a little bitter and, and twisted in my perspective, thinking that you were not being good. But I had to say, you're good, and I almost slipped, but I went into the house of God, and I got a clear perspective. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to change my filter. I'm not going to allow the devil to, to distort the image, to bring an aberration. That's a distorted image, a, a twisted existence. I'm going to go to the house of God and get a clear understanding. And then he finishes the last verse in this psalm saying, it doesn't matter what is taking place in my life or how it's taking place or what the adjectives are. Um, verse 28, but it is good for me to draw near God. Everything is purposed in the goodness so that I get closer to God. Lord, thank you that you allowed this. They asked 
they asked uh, Ruth Graham, which is Billy Graham's daughter, look, your dad served God all these years. He was a great evangelist. All he did was concentrate on God, and now at the end of his life, he has brain inflammation. He has uh, illnesses and, and frailties and sickness, and isn't this a wicked way for God to, to, to pay your dad back and to reward him? Look at what a question straight from the pit of hell, because it's always his narrative. Uh, the Lord gave me a, an in-law like this because he doesn't like me. You know, whatever the narrative is, you're, you're, you're trying to find the, the defect in God's goodness. Uh, he's not good because he didn't give me this or he didn't give me that. Listen, he's, when that twisted question came in, she says, this is the best thing that could happen to my God, to my dad. Because in God's goodness... The infirmities my dad is going through is to keep him on his knees, close to God. So while you see it as something evil and wicked, I see it as God's goodness and faithfulness. And she hit that thing right out of the park, grand slam. So I want you to do the same thing. What is the narrative the devil has put in your life in various regards and different issues and different relationships and says, oh, this is the, the God is, has not been good. Uh, God, you question his goodness. And so here it is, as we continue to see God, uh, this is the narrative, no, number, Numbers 13, 27, as God tells him, look, you're going to go into a land and inherit this amazing place that flows with milk and honey. And so these are the promises that they heard from God. When they actually got to the place, they told Moses and said, we went to the land where you sent us. And guess what? It does flow with milk, and there's honey. There's plenty of fruit in that land. God did not lie. Now, what happens is comes a different narrative. Yeah, but there's giants there. So God brought us here to kill us because he's... And you start that narrative of all the dark and the twistedness. And so we need to be the people that are constantly bringing the goodness of God back to memory. Psalm 107, verse 1, give thanks to the Lord for he is good and his love endures forever. That has to be our constant narrative regardless of the experience that we're going through. And so there, Psalm 135, verse 3, it says, praise the Lord for he is good. Look how good God is. Look how amazing he is. Praise the Lord for the Lord is good. Sing praises to the, his name for he is is pleasant. I, I don't know how to cultivate this presence in your life where you fill up every void of every darkness of every situation and you say, you know something, this was the goodness of God. This was the, the provisions of God's nature. This was God making all things good. And so you beat the devil at this crazy game that he's trying to doubt. Verse 15, he says, because other priorities and gods, they do not fulfill their promises. What other nations go to worship, their silver and their gold, the works of their hands. They think that they're going to find goodness. I don't know if there's businessmen here that think that your hard work, your industry, and your relationship is greater than the goodness of God. You're smoking some serious voodoo weed who told you that you're going to stand at a greater expression of prosperity and lavish extravagance outside of his goodness that you're going to try and go after the works of your hands as a priority verse 16 instead of your the goodness of god these have mouths they do not speak goodness they have um 
they have eyes, but they do not see. They don't borrow. Yesterday, I was watching the Belmont Stakes, the horse races, the, these, these horrible, wicked men that think that in a horse and in a jockey and in winning a horse race, We've been waiting. Listen, they're, they're trading the goodness of God for chance. They're crazy. And then they got the hype and they got the, oh, we finally, you, listen to me, sell all that stuff and come and taste the goodness of God. Come and taste his mercies. You put so much on that which is not God. Verse 17, they have ears, but they don't listen. They don't hear. They have, there's no breath in their mouth. They're not in living life as God intended. Verse 18. So are like them those who make up these guys. Everyone who trusts in these things that have no essence of goodness. Listen, we haven't even scratched the surface of God's goodness. Why? Because our devotion has been so pathetic. Could we say it like that? God is waiting for a people to sit there and... and and just weigh the depth and the goodness of God. God, you're so good. You gave your son. And my devotion to you is so lame. And I'm putting other priorities on those that don't give their sons, that don't worship. I'm worshiping. Worship means that you bow down over. In John chapter 4, when he's talking to the Samaritan woman, he, Jesus tells her, look, my dad is looking for worshipers who are serious in their worship. He's looking for people that... that that really want to know the goodness of God. And we can't know the goodness of God as we're, as we're, 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 our devotion is split, our heart is split. Many times because we think, and, and Malachi says, you don't come and bring your tithes and offering because you say it's pathetic to serve the Lord. That is not good to, to give your devotion to God. That's what it says in, in Malachi 1 and 2. But here in John chapter 4, Jesus makes it clear, my dad is looking for those that are willing to Kiss the hand that is being good towards them. That's, that's the expression. He's looking for worshipers who worship him in spirit and in truth. The word prokuneo. It's a, a Greek word that means kiss the hand that comes to bless you. And you know something? We've been, we've, we've been kissing many hands, but not God's. And maybe the, the devil has put a little thorn in our flesh to, to question whether or not God has been good to us. Psalm 84, verse 11, for the Lord our God is sovereign protector. He knows how to bestow favor and honor. He knows how to exalt. He will not withhold any good thing from those whose worship is lined up. And so you guys know what happens, right? During the experience of our worship, and you'll talk to many Christians everywhere, no, because I, I got upset at my pastor. I got upset at the church. I got upset at... At the people, they didn't call me. I was sick one day and nobody brought me soup. And so the, the goodness of God is not seen. They're looking for the badness of man let me down. They, they allow the devil to creep in and to diminish the goodness of God in all things. And when you establish his goodness as your forthright expression and devotion, you're not going to let anybody mess with you. We're not here in the house of God because man is good or because the church is good or the denomination or spring of life is good or because it's an incredible. No, we're here because we can never even fathom the depth of his goodness towards us, the riches of his glory. How did we get something else on that scale to divide our devotion and our worship? Psalm 145, Lord, for this I will exalt you. You're my God and my king. I will bless your name forever. 
Psalm 145, verse 1. I'm going to lift up the name of God. I will bless his name forever and ever. Verse 2, every day I will bless you. There won't be one day that will go without me praising your name forever and ever. Verse 3, because God is great and greatly to be praised. His greatness is unsearchable. Verse 4, one generation shall praise your works to another and shall declare your mighty works Verse 5, O glorious splendor of your majesty, the, the, the reflection of his majesty and his works, this will be my meditation. I will meditate on these expressions of who you are. No one's going to divide my attention. Verse 6, people will speak of the power of your awesome acts, and I will tell of your greatness. They will overflow when they speak of your great and abundance goodness. Verse 7. See, this is it. The memory of your great levels of expression upon our lives is our song, is our memory. I will always sing that you were sufficient in your goodness over my life. I think that when we do this and when we live in this reality, our sons and our daughters will serve God the way he deserves to be served. We're not looking for God because of a handout. We're not looking for God's hand. We see the essence of his heart. He just has. And, and I, you know, I, I was trying to enumerate. And, and I think there's a verse there. Uh, I'll find it. Um, where David says, Lord, if I were to number the goodness of God, it's incalculable. It's innumerable. I can never stop counting how I'm good. See Mike's life, I see his goodness. See Lorraine, I see his goodness. See the goodness of God. It's just his mercy. And you could do that on a constant basis in every expression, the children that they have, the goodness of, of the fellowship they enjoy. See Jurgen, the same thing. I see the Prieto family, the same thing. We, we can look in every direction and sit there and raise up. Our God is faithful. Our God is good. While there are men who choose to look on the devil's narrative, that's what's happening in the world today. Last night, they put that one documentary on a twisted pastor and a twisted church. I always say that when there's a twisted pastor, the, 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 the church is more dysfunctional than that crazy man. Crazy is not the man who says he's Jesus Christ. Crazy are the men that stay in front of him thinking he is. So that, that continues to grow worse and worse. But nobody's going to raise up the goodness of God, but that's our responsibility. And you tell your children God is good and he's faithful and you begin to enumerate his faithfulness in our lives and expound on it in a manner that is powerful. And so his disposition towards us on every course is to pour out his goodness upon us. If he were to show up, like I said, and you said, God, show up and, and, and show my family. Uh, I've had other families who've told me, Pastor, I could write a book this thick of all the, the bad things. I said, you're a wicked man because you could write a book this thick of all the good things. Amen. And the devil has you consumed on those things that you don't understand because the Bible says in Romans 8.28 that he causes all things to work out for good. That's the end story. If you wait on God long enough, you're going to see his goodness. Right, Natalie? Amen. Right, Natalie? Absolutely. When you wait upon God, you'll see his goodness in your life. And he's worthy for you to worship. And you're worthy for him, you to give him your best. Let's stand this morning. And tell God, God, I'm sorry. 
that I've been waiting for your goodness to give you my best when you're waiting for my best to see my goodness. To see God's goodness in his very essence and nature in every description. And so the end story, and this will be it. This should be our, our last confession upon the earth, upon our last breath. God, you're so good. You're so good, Lord. You're so good. I, I can't even... Uh, I can't even express the descriptions of the manifest goodness of God upon our lives. And if we search the Lord deep and wide, we're going to be able to taste more of that goodness. Father, this morning we give you thanks that we're in the house of God. We give you thanks that we have come to contemplate, to consider, and to worship you in the beauty of your holiness. Thank you for this word, Lord upon our lives and upon our families. Thank you for the goodness of our marriages and our children and the family of God. Thank you for our provision, our house, a place where we lay and rest, our pillow. Thank you, Lord, for our bed sheets and towels. Thank you, Lord, for showers and uh, bathtubs, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for neighbors and friends. Thank you for a place to work. Thank you for a lack of employment so we can see your goodness in our lives, your faithfulness, Lord. Thank you for our children, our sons and our daughters, Lord. Thank you for their struggle to be found blameless in your sight, O oh God. Thank you that they're being encouraged, O oh God, by your provision. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness in the north, in the east, in the west, in the south. Thank you for everywhere I look, I can see an expression of your goodness. And today we lay this as a foundation of our faith, O oh God. That as we contemplate your nature, the essence of who you are, we can be rest assured and wait upon the Lord. Because you're good to those who wait upon you. You, ex you draw lines that are beautiful. Our inheritance and our portion in you is so awesome. And that no one might be able to pervert and distort your goodness in our lives. While people are running to and fro and walking out on the goodness of God because they believe the devil's narrative, we press in, oh God. Yes. And we say, Lord, and regardless of how we feel and how we perceive things, that above all is your goodness, oh God. Your mercies upon our life, the essence of your nature will continue to be poured out in every area. Thank you for this day that you have made for us to be glad and to rejoice. Your provisions are good in far measures than we can measure, Lord. Innumerable are your good ways towards those who have a heart towards you. So, Father, we ask forgiveness for having contemplated and thought for one second that your goodness has fallen short in our lives. We pray that you keep us out of sin, O oh God, out of rebellion out of disobedience where it's a desolate wilderness outside the boundaries of your goodness bestow upon us father god to be the light to be the voice and the proclamation to the ends of the earth lord that all creation father god would rejoice in seeing the goodness of your mercy in our lives we pray this in jesus name and the house of god says amen amen and amen Greet one another in the love of the Lord. Monday night, see you here tomorrow night for the men's meeting at 8 o'clock and the Clarita's meeting at 8 o'clock at our house. God bless you.